Depending on when you're listening and where you're listening. Regardless, thank you for listening. The show is NXT Talk, where we chat, review, analyze all things NXT 2.0 and NXT UK on NXT UK Corner. We're your hosts. I'm Boris, and I am joined by Matt. Bonjour! How is everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. Boris, how are you doing today, buddy? I've never been better. <laughs> Good. I'm glad oh to hear man, it. this is quite the fever dream. Let me tell you that. <laughs> I've, uh, oh man, yeah. This this show feels like you're drunk at the best of times. It feels like you you got a hundred and five degree fever, like when you're feeling well. So I imagine, I can only imagine, Boris, the sights that you saw last night. <laughs> Dude, it was a trip. It was so trippy. Honestly, it was crazy. Um, but yeah, I am sick as a dog. Um, I'll get to that in a second as to why. It's just the cold, nothing else. I know as a fact it's a cold. But uh, yeah, it's been a hell of a hell of a ride. Um, but uh, how are you doing, Matt? I'm pretty well. I'm feeling uh, above the weather, I would say. I uh, I got a day, I two days off in a row, and I have to catch up on a lot of G1. So after we're done podcasting here, I'm going to watch me eight hours of wrestling, maybe. I'm just going to watch me a shitload of wrestling. Yes, because you missed, what, the Sunday and the Monday? I missed uh, Friday, Sunday, and Monday. Right, I am behind three shows now. So, yeah, I'm going to knock all those out today, hopefully. Maybe only uh, the weekend shows and then the next two. Because, yeah, we're going to be covering four G1 shows for you on the next BAM. That's day eight, nine, ten. And Thursday morning's day 11, which has yet to happen at the time of this recording. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. But yeah. Um, yeah. So on uh, for those of you who don't live in Toronto, there was a major rainstorm on Saturday night, Sunday morning, really, at about like four, five, six in the morning. It was just like, it was insane. It was just like a blanket of rain. And I was caught in the middle of it. I was just caught in the middle of it. No, no way out. Um, and I just accepted my fate as I'm walking around the city. Yeah, probably wearing shorts and a t-shirt. I was wearing jeans and t-shirt because the lady friend's best friend stole my sweater. Ah, of course, classic, classic female move. Uh, yeah, man. Well, I'm I'm glad you're living and you seem somewhat okay. The voice sounds a little rough, but you you look good, buddy. Yeah. Oh no no no. Yeah yeah. Like I can barely hear right now. Um. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I know my voice. It, I sound a lot worse than I really am. Trust me. Um, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get to it. We have a lot to chat about. All right, so it has been a crazy week in WWE. You know, I feel like we always say this. It's been a crazy week in wrestling, but really, this past week has been absolutely insane. The shake up, the draft. You know, the draft days, whatever. It uh, it happened. Uh, unannounced slash announced via social medias and word of mouth. 
NXT was included in the draft. Number one, did that surprise you? Um, No, but the people who went surprised me, man, honestly. The choices that they made surprised me. All right, so let's talk about who went up. Um, it was this time last week when we were talking about the possibility of Hit Row leaving NXT, being called up. I was skeptical to be 100%. So when you sent me that message on Friday evening that it actually happened, I was actually still shocked. So Hit Row drafted to SmackDown. Yeah, so I, I'm glad for them, and I think it's going to help SmackDown out, but it's way too early for probably two of these performers, you could argue three out of the four. Swerve Scott is ready. Ashanti the Adonis, you know what? He's probably ready to. Top Dollar, he's not quite ready in the ring. B-Fab is nowhere close. It's developmental for a reason, Boris. If they're going to change NXT 2.0 and make it all about developing these people, why not leave them there to develop? I don't know, man. Six you know what it is? Okay, so, all right, let's go through the list. Pin, put a pin on that because I do, I will, I do have a, um, a point to bring up about that. All right, also okay. we saw Austin Theory get the official call up to Raw. That's, I'm happy for him there. Yeah, I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. And he's already appeared on Raw and kind of looks to be starting a new character, which is a good call for him. Yes, yes. Uh, we have Aaliyah going to SmackDown from Raw, which she never made an appearance on. So that's kind of funny. Yeah, whatever. Sure. Hopefully she gets more of a look on SmackDown. Seemed to have a lot of uh, free spaces there. Yep. And then on Monday, it was announced probably the biggest surprise of the draft from the NXT group was Zia Lee being drafted to Friday Night SmackDown, which this puts a huge question mark on Tien Shaw. Yeah, they just took her out of the group, and she's presumably like her old character, kind of a generic character, but honestly much better than like spooky Chinese zombie. Yeah. So, yeah. A hundred percent. I agree with you. One hundred percent. There, like it's just it, it just makes more sense. Um, if all of Tian Sha were to go up, I can see them keeping the spooky zombie Asian characters. But because it's only Zia Lee, you know, it is what it is. Obviously, there is the opportunity chance that Tian Sha eventually goes up with her, and they redo the past year's angle. <laughs> um, oh man, possibly I could see that Yeah, um, and we're going to talk about Tien Shaw later on in this show And kind of because it's like I was shocked at what happened and how they're using them um, But yeah, so it was just crazy, man Okay, so you were saying earlier, Oh wait, 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 there's one more one more name Ridge Holland also yes, moved up to SmackDown Yeah, yeah. The, the, the other one that surprised me Ridge Holland moving <laughs> up to SmackDown Without Pete Dunn And I made a joke that I hope does not come true. What if Pete Dunn eventually, not eventually, goes up at the same time as Rich Holland, but as his manager? Oh, and they cut his hair and change his name? <laughs> yes. Oh, man. You couldn't put it past him. It would be actually hilarious, kind of confirming the Adam Cole stories if it did happen, but poor Peter Dune. I hope it doesn't. Yeah, like it, I'm shocked. The dude just signed a three-year contract, and he's gonna stay in NXT. His his side piece is going to SmackDown. So to me, it makes zero sense that he's still in NXT. Ridge Holland is going to SmackDown. You know, this might 
kind of con- not confirm but reaffirm why Brock or Braun Breaker is the man right now in NXT. Rich Holland got the call up. Who knows what's going on at the end of the day? I don't know. Um, but we'll see what happens with Pete Dunn. Yeah, um, I'm a I'm a little worried for Pete Dunn. I'm a little worried for the remaining uh, members of Tian Shaw. And uh, you know, other than that, I'm a, I, I think we should also maybe talk about the people who didn't get drafted, who we thought were. So, My uh, before go we ahead. go there, let me bring up this okay. point. So yes, you said earlier that if you know it is developmental. If they're still developing, keep them in developmental. I wholeheartedly agree with you 100%. But I am wearing my crazy senile hat, a.k.a. the Vince McMahon hat right now, the Kevin Dunn hat, the Bruce Pritchard hat. And they obviously see something in people. If they want to capitalize on someone's momentum, if they like the look on someone, they're going to call them up regardless of how ready or not they are. That's the, that's where we're at with NXT. You know, it goes against absolutely against everything that we've been told you know it is still developmental but if you know the boss thinks you're ready you're gonna get the call up man we need to have a serious long talk on one of these podcasts about how triple h didn't fail he was sabotaged this if they would have treated triple h's nxt just like that if they would have changed nothing else but just done that and called somebody up when they were popular the entire game would have been changed yeah it would have made Everything so much better would have made it mean more. Anyway, but here's uh, the thing. Okay, with the but to that point, at the end of the day, let's they kind of did that with a few people. But the issue is, once they showed up to the building on Monday or th- or Friday, Vince is like, "Who are you?" Right? Like that's right. that's the issue right there. That's the main issue. Yeah, we'll talk about that on that day. I I know what you're saying about Hit Row, and believe believe me, I do think they're popular enough. I do think they're the kind of flavor that WWE needs on the main roster right now. I can see why they're being rushed. I just think the individual pieces in this yeah. group, I they could use a little more time. But they're also talented. Uh, like, even, even B-Fab, I think she's really, really talented and she does have something. I do think all four will be fine. But it just it feels it feels to me like they're it's too early and they might struggle for it might they might show some rookie mistakes for the first little bit which is totally fine but I think that's gonna happen. No, exactly. I agree with you hundred percent. It's just to me it's just like it makes zero sense in the grand scheme of things. Like, but whatever. Like, what else do we expect from WWE? All right. Now, having said that, there are obvious names that haven't been called up from NXT. Matt, who comes to mind for you? Big shock to me was Frankie Monet, especially with how last week's NXT episode ended. Really felt like they were writing her off. Felt like she'd step right into a feud with John Morrison versus The Miz and Maurice if they're going to go in that direction. It feels to me like a WrestleMania match. I'd actually pay money to see that match. I'm interested. That's the so, only thing that I'd ever be interested in John Morrison the and The Miz doing. Only reason. I can see why Frankie Monet was not called up, and I can see her being put in a holding pattern until The Miz gets eliminated from Dancing with the Stars. You might have a point. They might be, but, they might be onto something. But why didn't they call her up and start billing her up? 100%, especially because she's kind of like serious jobber status in NXT right now. Yep. Um 
it's just like they're they're beating her and beating her and beating her because they know she's going to leave, but she's not leaving. So maybe she's going to actually like become a trainer and like step out of the ring. I don't quite know what's happening. But like, I was very look, disappointed. But, and to that's see the thing, Frank right? Monet and and like she carried Cora Jade through the match, so that's great. But you know, if this is your developmental, if you're going to actually create a canon between NXT and the main roster. It's bad optics if Frankie Monet loses every match here on in. I million trillion percent agree with you, buddy. All right. What so, the, what, Frankie what, Monet. What was the performer that stood out to you? Cameron Grimes. Yeah. Dude, and it's just like. To the moon. You have the biggest issue in WWE. In for, like, Well, not, not the biggest issue, but one of the many thousand issues that WWE has <laughs> is the ability to create natural faces. You know, I feel like oftentimes they force faces down our throats and people don't accept them in backlash. John Cena, Roman Reigns, those two names come to mind. And I'm not putting Cameron Grimes in that group, but those are prime examples of faces that just like people don't accept. Cameron Grimes is a natural face. Did you hear his reaction on last night's show? People cheer for this guy. People like this guy. He is great on the mic, even better wrestler. Why isn't he on the main roster? I understand. And, uh, you know, I, I got the response from Blair overnight on the NXT thread about this. And that is, put yourself in Vince McMahon's shoes and you see Cameron Grimes. What do you think? Uh, well, in Vince McMahon's shoes, like you probably think small guy. Why is he so hairy? What's this beard? I don't get this gimmick. I don't see it. But I mean, if I was Vince McMahon, Cameron Grimes would be the intercontinental champion. You know what I mean? Dude, like, Here's the thing. It's funny that you even said this. Why is he so hairy? Who is this guy? What's up with the beard? Make him into the new Dan O'Brien. Right? He looks just like him, and he doesn't wrestle just like him, but he is a spectacular wrestler in a different way. Mm -hmm. And Cameron Grimes has a baby face. He'll always do – he has such a wide bag of tricks. He'll always bust out a new move or, like, a crazy 360 backflip bump. He's always going to do something that will stand out in that Daniel Bryan kind of way. Yep. Uh, there is a silver lining to the Cameron Grimes cloud. I want to touch on it here. We might mention it again during the show. But did you notice during Cameron Grimes' entrance that they kept bringing up Baron Corbin? They yes. kept bringing up Happy Corbin, like, and directly tying him and comparing him to Cameron Grimes. Yes. So that made me feel good. That feels like that could be a thing down the road. Yep. Yep, exactly. Other names that surprised me, and this is just WWE, Boris thinking, is LA Knight. Yeah, I, I can see that. He's what? Is he 38, 39 now yeah. in real life? That might be a factor. But to me, it's like if you sign this guy at all, he can clearly talk. He's got a little bit of mainstream press with like the uh, car ads that Ric Flair was in before they got yanked. But uh, I think I think you had to pull the trigger now if you were going to pull the trigger. So it yeah. seems like they might not ever pull the trigger on that. Guy. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Pete Dunn, obviously, we already brought him up. Uh, but those are the, really the four people who really stood out to me as to what's next. People might say I, uh, Johnny Gargano. People might, you know, but people might say Tommaso Ciampa. But the reality is I don't see them going anywhere outside of NXT. No, Ciampa has numerous times uh, stated that he's he doesn't want to go to the main roster and he would sooner retire than wrestle on the main roster schedule. And good for him. He wouldn't last. Yeah. Uh, one more name that shocked me just because – 
I thought he was getting that big push and I thought he was going to go up was Odyssey Jones. I thought they were going to pull the trigger on Odyssey. Yeah. And it's funny. I mean, it's like, you know, going back to your, this is developmental uh, comment, right? And then there's someone like Gabe Stevenson who just, just completely sidestepping NXT. Oh, man. Okay. So that's a little different because it is. They're, they, well, they're training Gable Stevenson on their own. They have like, built him or i don't know if they they're going to a, a separate uh facility but they're basically built him his own nxt you know what i mean and they have trainers working with him directly teaching him how to take bumps while he's training and about to do his ncaa wrestling season right and yeah. he's also already the olympic gold medalist yeah. so it's a really in a lot of ways it's a dumb idea because he has so much to lose by wrestling college but that's either here or there Boris, I think putting him in the draft was a terrible idea and it made him look like a fucking idiot. They just did it for the one visual of like the NFL draft thing with his family. They like had that idea to have that that visual, which was like a decent visual, but they should have drafted him first overall. Yeah. That would have made such a huge point. We're, we're drafting him first overall. He's training. You're going to see this kid in six months to a year and keep your eye peeled to just throw it in in the last round as like a dumb thing at 1030 on raw is such a dumb idea. You've already told us that this guy's a loser and they would, people would rather have Jeff Hardy or happy Corbin and mad cat Moss above this guy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then there's some names from NXT who have been working a lot of dark show, or at least one name that stands out to me, and she seems to be a free agent, and that's Dakota Kai. I feel bad for Dakota Kai. Yeah, what's her deal? Is she she's in limbo? Is she injured? Did they forget that she exists? I'm uh, I'm a little bit worried about her prospects going forward here. Look at her social media. Look at her Instagram. That might uh, give you some hints as to what's going on. Um, like nothing, like she's not hinting anything. But uh, yeah, she's basically just playing the I'm a free agent card. Interesting. Okay, well that's good. So it's probably a storyline. Well, hopefully they did it on purpose and they have a plan for her and they didn't just forget that she exists. Yeah, they didn't just. Uh, yeah, exactly. We'll see what happens there. But yeah, it's it's. So anything else you want to talk about the draft before we move on? Uh, some puzzling decisions. I hope it works out well for those who moved up. I do have high hopes for uh, for the Swerve crew hit row specifically. Swerve. I think uh, they they should. And will, I actually am going to say will, strap a rocket to that group. I yeah. do think they're going to get a strong push, and I think I think they're going to be stars. I really do. Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing. My love of Legado will never change, but main roster-wise, Hit Row's going to, they're, they're, well, they're better off than Legado on the main roster. On paper, for sure. For sure. All right, so let us talk some NXT 2.0 from October the 5th, 2021. Uh, so the show opened up with a video. Hold on, dude. This, I'm, I'm really starting You're to hurt right groggy. now. Like my hearing is really going. Like I'm now visually sweating because I'm burning up. Before we get to the show, we have to do one thing. Matt, you do it because I'm done. Well, Boris, we are the young guns here, and uh, we like to change things up at NXT Talk. You see, we're done with star ratings. They're passe. They're, they're old news, and we like to mix it up with a rating system du jour, if you will. And, Boris, uh, I was thinking, you know, 
there's a couple new characters. There's all kinds of possibilities. But since it was the the debut of the great, get out of here. Forget about it. Tony D'Angelo, I say we go Gabagools out of five on this edition of NXT Talk. I love it. Okay, we're going to do that. So the show opens up with a video package to promote the fatal four-way for the NXT Tag Team titles. We're live at the Performance Center from Orlando, Florida. Vic Joseph welcomes us, hyping the fatal four-way that was originally announced as an eight-man tag team match. Vic is joined at ringside by Wade Barrett and WWE Hall of Famer Beth Phoenix, and we go straight into match number one of the night, which saw Mandy Rose go up against Ember Moon. Mandy Rose, the, the starting off your fever dream, right, Boris, with the crazy bodysuit chains and, I don't know, various booty shorts kind of thing. It's it's a heck of a new gear situation. Looks like, uh, looks like a, a rejected WWF attitude gimmick. Yeah, 100% it does. Um, what did you think? Like, I know you didn't like the matches in the, at least the very first hour. I thought this match was perfectly fine for what it was at four minutes and 31 seconds. You're not going to get a five star classic out of these two, but you got what you needed. They executed what they needed to execute. They didn't look too sloppy. Mandy Rose looked pretty good, um, doing what she was doing, like move wise. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like terrible, but I thought it was, you know, it was it was pretty bad. Like if you're we we watch this thing closely, man. You know what I mean? We're but used that, to I like think that's the issue right now. You're analyzing this as if it's dynamite. You're analyzing this as if it's you're watching G1. Got to take a step back. Got to take a step back. You're completely right, but I analyze I'm trying to analyze everything under the same umbrella. I try to analyze G1 like I would analyze 86 superstars like I would analyze Luthez versus Buddy Rogers from 1950. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in some fashion. But you're right. You're right. You're right. We yeah. do need to take a step back and appreciate what it is we're watching. This yeah. is this is OVW now. This exactly. is superstars. And here's the like, thing. This is Cra- crazy concept, Matt. They actually gave the right person the win here. So Mandy Rose won with the V-Trigger. Um, got the pin. Four minutes, 31 seconds. Obviously, they want to start giving some W's to uh, Toxic Attraction. They're building this team up. And Matt, they actually gave him a W. What a crazy concept. I know, right? Could you imagine wrestlers moving up with wins? Jeez. But uh, I think they should drop the Toxic part. I like the attraction. I like I like that because, it, you know, it's like the wrestling vernacular. They are the attraction. They bring you to the arena. But also, you know, they're hot girls, Boris, you see. Anyway, I thought this was a, this is a, a slight fail, but good effort. That kind of match. Like, it was four minutes of Mandy Rose versus Ember Moon. It, it wasn't great, but, you know, it was not an affront to my sensibilities. But we're going to go two gabagools out of five. Slight fail, but strong effort. Yep. After the match, uh, all of Toxic Attraction is in the ring. We hear boos from the Nextras. Uh, the announcers are talking about Hit Row. Um, they obviously bring up the fact that they've been called up to the main roster. Uh, we get uh, a vignette from Legado del Fantasma, Santos Escobar, Electra Lopez, Raul Mendoza, and Joaquin Wilde. They essentially each talk shit about Hit Row, and Escobar challenges Swerve to put the NXT North American title on the line, and he asks him, what type of man are you? Escobar is a great promo. You've said it before, but like, 
I'll I'll twist I'll tweak your point. You say that Santos is better than Andrade. I would say that if Andrade El Idolo had Santos's promo skill, he'd be a five-time world champion already. Yeah, agreed. No, no, that that's yeah, exactly. Um, I like this promo. It was really cool, really well shot. Uh, so that was that. Uh, we get Odyssey Jones entrance. We go to commercial because that seems to be the trend. Entrance, commercial, next entrance. Uh, yep. So the second match of the night was Odyssey Jones versus La Knight, LA Knight. Uh, this match, what a shocker to me! This I I I would if you put a gun to my head and told me to pick the winner, I would not be recording this podcast this morning, Boris. What did I say last week? I had a feeling that LA Knight was going to win. I was firmly under the belief that this is just going to be a long, <coughs> either a long term story, or. Odyssey Jones was going to break off into something else, and that's exactly what happened here. You know, you're starting a new story, um, you know, with, uh, with uh, what's his name? Chase, Andre Chase. Yeah. So Andre Chase. it is what it is. Now, this match itself, this match I did not like. Odyssey Jones needs to slow down a little bit. There were times that LA Knight looked like he was hitting, like legit hitting, odyssey jones with elbows and kicks because odyssey jones wouldn't stay put and he kept moving there was one uh elbow drop in particular la knight just jumped up odyssey jones for whatever reason got off his back and la knight just drilled him right on the chest yeah so uh, i i can agree with that he's like he's a bull in a china shop in there but you know what i thought this was actually like decent i uh i thought LA Knight worked his ass off for Odyssey he Jones did. here. Like you were saying, like he was bouncing around like a Super Bowl in there. I thought it was a really good performance for LA Knight. Even if he's just going to go on to the main roster to be a complete jobber, this was proof that he can do that too. So I think this was this was a really good match. It fell into the class, not a really good match, but it was a, it was a really good performance from LA Knight. Fell into the classic WWE tropes though, such as... Odyssey Jones beats the shit out of LA Knight, slips on a banana peel and gets hit with one move, and then Odyssey Jones gets pinned somewhat clean. Yeah. Not clean, but but somewhat clean. Exactly, and that's the thing, right? It's the classic play the music and you know, the the wrestler who's doing all the ass kicking gets distracted. We already brought this up. Andre Chase uh came out, he yelled at Jones from the apron, the fans are booing. Jones knocks him to the floor with a right hand. Knight takes advantage of the distraction, drops Jones with a cutter finisher for the pin. Um and they try to do this thing where Andre Chase grabs Jones's foot. He like barely grabbed it. But they wanted to show the point that Odyssey Jones was pinned because of Andre Chase. Yeah, so Andre uh, Odyssey Jones did get his foot under the ropes, which should theoretically break the pin. But Andre Chase shoved his foot away. Um, so yeah, uh, LA Knight wins with a like a flying neckbreaker, like an RKO neckbreaker in four minutes and four seconds. I would go slightly higher than the previous match just because I did feel like LA Knight noticeably. Worked his ass off. And Odyssey Jones is a very entertaining guy. So I would go typical WWE squashy match. So I gave it two and a half out of five. It is a Mendoza line kind of WWE match for me. But again, tip of the cap to LA Knight on this one. He impressed me here. Yeah. Uh, Chase looks on from the entranceway. Jones stares him down. So this looks like to be the new pairing. And I kind of like this. Like, you know, you have these NXT 1.0, NXT 2.0 guys. And then, 
you know, you're going to create a new feud with NXT 2.0, guys. Like, it makes sense on paper, right? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. I, I'm for it. I, uh, I like we said, worried about LA Knight, but hey. If he stays in NXT, that's fine. I guess. I just don't think, I think he has more to offer the wrestling business than to be an NXT jobber. Yeah, you're right. All right, it is time for the hardest working reporter in all of professional wrestling, Mackenzie Mitchell. She is backstage with Cameron Grimes. Grimes is a little jealous over all of the love going around NXT these days. He specifically talks about Cora Jade, bleh, and Trey Baxter, bleh, and Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis, which is why he's on the hunt for love of his own. Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland interrupt. Dunn says there's not a woman alive who would touch Grimes. Dunn says a lot is changing in NXT, but he's still the baddest man on the planet. Holland threatens to teach Grimes a lesson tonight. Grimes pays little to no attention to them. While they're talking, he walks over to two women, asking if they're single. Yeah, I'm excited to see. Do you think they're going to introduce a new character, or do you think we've already met Cameron Grimes' love interest? (sighs) That's interesting. I have a feeling they're going to introduce someone new. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Maybe it'll be ODB from TNA. Not probably not. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but, yeah, this was what it was. I don't know. Pete Dunn, he's always put in these weird situations. And it, last night was the first time mm-hmm. I actually noticed what you always say about him. This pouty kid acting yeah. like a dumbass. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Doesn't work. Doesn't work for me anyway. I, I, I see him and I'm like, uh like, yeah. Yep. He just seems like a pouty, whiny child a lot. Yep. All right, right before the break, Tommaso Ciampa comes out. When we come back from the break, Kyle O'Reilly approaches Vaughn Wagner in the locker room, asking why he helped them out two weeks in a row. Wagner says he saw an opportunity, jumped on it. He doesn't like Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland as much as O'Reilly does. Wagner says he respects O'Reilly. O'Reilly says he's had a rough year and now trusts no one, especially management. But he understands where Wagner's coming from, but he also wants Wagner to let him handle his own business and stay out of his way. O'Reilly walks off. We go back to the ring where Champa has a mic. Yeah, so this was interesting. Von Wagner, he's a Fargo character, isn't he? Like the Minnesota accent or like the wherever it is, the upper Midwest accent of the United States. I don't quite know. I think it's Minnesota. Yeah, it's, it's Minnesota. Thick on this guy, right? Yep. Yeah, it's it's oh, very man. thick. It's very thick. Uh, I don't know. I'm almost afraid to see what they would do to him in the main roster. <laughs> You'd literally become a Fargo character. I don't even know, uh, but but yeah, hey, Kyle O'Reilly, don't you know? It was it was it was an interesting it was an interesting promo from Von Wagner. I need to hear him one or two more weeks to to get my Von Wagner impression down, Boris. All right, so Champa is on the mic. He says he wants to get straight to the point. He announces that at Halloween Havoc. He announces that Halloween Havoc is in fact returning on October 26th and he needs an opponent. Champa goes on and talks about how actions mean everything in this new world of NXT and he knows the roster is full of hungry competitors. He mentions how one man claims he's not a patient man and wants to be the flag bearer of NXT, which is fine and dandy to him. He asks who has balls big enough to come to try to take his title. 
And then here comes the man, the myth, the legend, the Braun, the breaker with two Ks, Braun Breaker. Uh, Braun Breaker says he's treated Champa with nothing but respect since the day he walked in the door, but he doesn't care how long he's been here. He wants to be the NXT champion. Breaker heard Champa say he wants to fight someone with balls, and Breaker has the biggest balls in the locker room. Breaker says the match he wants and the f is the match he wants, and the fans want it too. Um... He says he's gonna. He wants a title at Halloween Havoc. Champa then says the difference between them is Breaker wants a title. Champa needs the title. To Breaker, the title is just a stepping stone to something bigger and better. To Champa, it is something bigger. It is something better. Champa then says he has Breaker has three weeks to go from an intern to a PhD. Champa says the challenge is accepted. Breaker gets hyped. Fans are actually going pretty crazy. Champa exits the ring, bumping into Breaker's shoulder on his way out. Breaker looks on from the ring as Champa raises the NXT title from the ramp. This was really good. Braun Breaker is ready. I like that they're keeping him like he's short and sweet and to the point on the microphone. But every time we've seen him talk so far, he's kind of held his own. Uh, I'm very excited to see this match. I think uh, Breaker has a lot of talent and, uh, you know, Champa could probably pull something great out of him. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I'm really enjoying Braun Breaker. I didn't think I would as much considering his lineage and whatnot. Um, but, like, you know, it, it's it's great. Like, I really am enjoying Braun Breaker. Like you said, his short and sweet promos are just perfect. You know, if anything, what this new NXT has done okay, but I want to see more of, because there have been examples of them not doing this, but it's hiding wrestlers' faults. Yeah, definitely. And so far, yeah, they're doing that exact thing with uh, this young Rex Steiner here. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm really enjoying everything they've done with Braun Breaker. I think it's been great so far. I think it's been great. Yep, and it's great to see that Halloween Havoc is coming back, you know, with only three weeks to go. I was really starting to get concerned that, uh, you know, these specialty TV shows were a thing of the past. Yeah, man, same. And it's our one-year anniversary, Halloween Havoc, Boris. The Podiversary. The Podiversary, Here at yep. NXT Talk. Yep, hopefully we'll be able to uh, partake in person with cake and pie and booze. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Million percent. Oh, I have an idea for a gimmick on that Thursday, bam, after the G1 wraps up. We should do Best of Halloween Havoc. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, clearly, DDP versus Goldberg is going to top the list. Highly, highly possible. Sorry, there's a garbage truck going absolutely off outside my room. I'll close my window. But yeah, highly possible. That or Steiner's V Nasty Boys. Yeah. Oh, that one would be good. All right. We got a brief backstage promo from Joe Gacy. He says while social media crashed this week, one platform didn't, and that's the voice for an inclusive generation, NXT. He will use the ring as our as his safe space tonight as we gathered in unity to prove that conflict can be resolved peacefully and yes there can be two winners he's growing on me you like <laughs> this joe gacy much more than i do but they're pushing him hard i'm just i'm ready for the flip this character is boring it's just nothing but he's a very talented guy and i once he makes the flip to evil and we actually see, like, the layers to this gimmick, it'll be good. Right now, he's just generic HR guy, like, spouting yeah. the cliches that, like, a 50- or 60-year-old white man who's rich as fuck thinks, like, a liberal says. Look, 
I'm okay with this character because they're building something. You, I, you know, there's gonna be more, or at least you were hoping. I was hoping there would be more, and you know, by the end of this segment, uh, the next segment, I should say, you kind of did see that. Ooh, there could be more coming up with him. Um, I'm actually interested, like super interested, now to see where this is gonna go. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll touch on that because I was actually shocked at who debuted last night yeah yeah absolutely yeah we're gonna yeah we're gonna touch on that just in a little bit but i did i i did quite enjoy this promo joe gacy's a good talker he is a great speak very well yeah he's a very good talker all right so uh after the break indy hartwell is walking with persia perota uh backstage they're talking about the honeymoon with dexter loomis indy says she put him down and he's too tired to be here she mentions how they went through two packets and Persia asks about his size as they walk. They stop, see smoke coming from under a door. They open it up, and Tian Sha and Boa are there doing Tian Sha and Boa things. Boa is apparently bowing to Ying while she sits on her throne. Boa yells at them and slams the door. Dude, isn't this the most WCW thing you've seen on WWE TV and the most WCW way of setting up a match. Yeah, when people say like, oh, NXT is like Vince Russo now, like it's it's a little harsh. This was Vince Russo, especially the absolute terrible dialogue. Not even a double entendre, just like literally, oh, how big is his dick? Like not even like a twist on it, not even a joke, just like, LOL, they're talking about dick. Isn't that funny? It's just like, come on, guys, like we can do a little better, you know, yep. can't we? I don't know. Put it, make a joke out of it. Don't, I don't know. This was, this was, this was bad, but Yep. Yeah, this is where we're at. This is where we're at, buddy. Yep. Like, yeah. Anyways, did his. Anyway, I'm not even going to start. All right. So we get into the match. Joe Gacy versus one of my favorite characters on NXT 2.0, Ike Manjiro. Um, This match was fun. It was a fun match. Was it good? I'm not sure, but it was fun. I think it was, it was pretty all right. It was only three minutes, unfortunately, but they both did a lot. They did a lot of stuff. You got to see exactly who the personalities of both of these guys were. And and you got the, the fans were super into this, man. Crowd loved both of these guys. I so am they, this was very enjoyable. One of the best things on the show. I am truly shocked that the crowd is getting behind Ike Manjiro. I don't know why. I don't know why, but I am shocked. I'm not. I think he's got he's got that it factor to some extent. He's got like the the mid card, lower card it thing. He's like too cool. 2021, you know. He reminds me of like a Scotty too hottie. That's so funny because I was thinking the exact same thing. All right. So at one point, Jiro walks right into a big boot in the corner. Gacy goes to the top. Jiro rocks him, sends him to the mat with a hurricanrana. Gacy ducks a drop kick, comes right back up with a lariat in the middle of the ring for the pin, uh, and he won via pinfall. So that was the match. Matt. How would yeah. you rate this? Three minutes and nine seconds. And uh, Joe Gacy wins with a Tajiri style handspring into a very nice lariat. I like that finish. That's pretty cool. It's uh, it's similar to the buckshot lariat in a way. It's just a way to get into the clothesline, a fancy way. But uh, yeah, I thought this was pretty good. We're going to go as high as three. Gabagool, Boris, out of five. Uh, Joe Gacy, 60%. It's a C in Canada, above the Mendoza line. If every match on NXT was like this, it'd be a way better show. Yeah, 
Exactly. Um, after the match, Gacy is happy in the ring. He gives a peace sign in the air. We go to replays. Gacy helps Jiro up after the match, gives him a hug. I love Jiro's reaction. He's like, what the fuck? That's my one F word. Just happened. <laughs> um, Gacy makes his way up the ramp. He stops up the entranceway as a mystery man is shown in the stand staring Gacy down. This person is bald, skinhead, tattoos, mean, mugging, mofo. Yeah. Uh, so I think they actually said it on Insta later uh, on the social medias. They didn't really address it on the television show. But this board, uh, this man, Boris, was Parker Bordeaux, now known as, I believe, just Harland. He's no longer even Gunner Harland. He's now Harland. And he looks like he's going to be Joe Gacy's muscle here, maybe. Yeah, interesting. Number one, I find it very interesting that they changed his look. Very, doesn't look anything like a Brock Lesnar type Pokemon anymore, as you would say. <laughs> um, it's crazy. Like, we didn't recognize him. Like, on the boards after this, we were just calling him the skinhead. It took me a while, like, and then I went on social media. I'm like, what the hell? It's Parker Bordeaux. Yeah, I definitely didn't know until you said that. I wouldn't have known until I saw social media. Yeah, he looked kind of like he didn't look like we're used to seeing, as you said. Like, he did not look like baby Brock here. He looked like a crazy skinhead. He looked like Sam Gradwell from NXT UK. Yes, exactly. All right, we got a video package for Cora Jade hyping tonight's match. Back to commercial. Um <laughs> I'm just skipping right through that. I have zero time for Cora Jade. Like zero. I think you're, Less you're, than zero. You're too harsh on Cora Jade. She's 20 years old. You know, young baby face. She's not great at anything yet. But, you know, she's she's got uh, she's got like a little bit, like 5% of the Jungle Boy thing where you just want to like her because she's just so she's so young and she's so uh, fresh-faced. She's a quintessential baby face. Not for me. Not for me. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Then we get something that I was a little iffy on. Uh, a casino-themed vignette with Duke Hudson, who is now a master of poker, apparently, and a professional poker player. He talks about toying with your mind and ending it before it begins. All money is welcome because he's taking it all, whether it's in the ring or on the felt. He says, better luck next time. On the felt. Classic WWE to introduce a poker player 15 years after the poker. Boom. Or as I said, five years before the next one. <laughs> When's the good. NHL CBA up? Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's literally when poker got popular. That is true. Yeah, we needed something on the TV here in Canada. It's when it happened here. Although it kind of happened on a worldwide scale, you know, yeah. uh, definitely in the states as well. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, blame the NHL for that in America. But yeah, I feel yeah, that's funny. Yep. All right. It is time for Cora Jade versus Virginia Ferry. Uh, we get Cora Jade's entrance. Uh, the see the enhancement talent. The jobber that is Virginia Ferry. But before the match can even begin, Frankie Monet pulls Ferry from under the ring, completely rocks her at ringside. Robert Stone cheers her on. Stone says he's sorry to Jade because her new opponent is Monet. Alicia Taylor makes the change official along with the ref. So then the actual match is Frankie Monet versus Cora 
Jade. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Cora Jade, I don't like her theme song. It's like a really bad Tony Hawk song, <laughs> like Tony Hawk Underground <laughs> 1 or 2. I don't know. But, uh, boy, this was very disappointing. And I saw it coming a mile away, honestly. Like, as soon as as soon as this happened, as soon as Frankie Monet came out, I was like, oh, no, they're going to beat Frankie instead. Yep. And they beat Frankie instead. You could, uh, you could see... Frankie Monet like leading Cora Jade by the hand th through this two minute wrestling match, but this was basically nothing. Like this was a pretty bad wrestling match. And with a roll up, no less. Yeah. So uh, it was she was going for the uh, her finishing move, the former Beth Phoenix bitch clamp, if you will, that Buster. And uh, yeah, Cora Jade reversed it into like a Casadora roll up, just like a body roll out of that that Rey Mysterio does all the time and gets the one, two, three in what was it? Two minutes and 10 seconds, Frankie Monet jobs. It wasn't long enough to be a good match. It wasn't, there wasn't like much of anything to it. Uh, I went one Gabagool out of five. Poor sweet Frankie Monet. If she doesn't get called up right away, I think uh, she might be going down the other way to become a trainer. Yeah, dude, it's kind of scary just because, like we said earlier on the show, Frank and Monet, okay, one thing is jobbing to a couple people here and there. You're teaching them. You're being the coach. But another thing is if Frank and Monet is, in fact, in a holding position and all she does is job, people are going to lose interest in her real fast. Yeah, like if she's out here losing to Cora Jade and the like, now, the only way that they could fix this is to blame Robert Stone, to, like, put all the blame on Robert Stone, have her beat up Robert Stone, maybe beat him in a match if you wanted to do that, although I would never, ever book an intergender match as long as I lived, personally. Yeah, agreed. But I, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that this could be saved by blaming Robert Stone and then giving her some wins, but this is just this is just bad. It's just a waste of her talent. Like why? It's just like LA Knight. Why bring them into NXT just to job to the Cora Jades of the world? They have more to offer the wrestling business than that. Yeah, it should be noted that Baxter was at ringside for this match, and uh, it was what it was. Yeah, they're kind of telling a weird story there. Like Trey Baxter, you know, lost his match, and uh, but he came out and helped Cora Jade, willed her to win her match. So I actually really, uh, I I'm into this uh, uh, Trey Baxter Cora Jade story again. You uh, have zero time for it, buddy. Zero. Less than zero. Less than zero. If if last night was the last time that we saw this act, it's one too many times that I've seen them. <laughs> it's so incredibly harsh. <laughs> All right. I don't know what they've done to earn your ire. I have no idea either. <laughs> All right. MSK is backstage. They're pacing around as the hardest working reporter in all of professional wrestling, Mackenzie Mitchell, comes up to them, interviews them about the main event. Um, the girls of young veterans interrupt. They each have words and agree to make the main event an elimination-style match. Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs show up, and they don't want to wait. A brawl breaks out as Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams also show up as we head into commercial. Yeah, so I, I think they should have started the show with this segment. This should have been the first thing that you saw, cold open, and then they tell you this is why it's now a fatal four-way thing, right? But that's neither here nor there. It is, it's, this was not the most offensive thing on this television program. Yeah, we just passed it. <laughs> Again, that is that is so harsh. That is unfair. There are two matches worse than that one, I think. I Although that know. one was still pretty pretty bad. <laughs> All right. 
Um, back from the break, and the hardest working reporter in all professional wrestling, Mackenzie Mitchell, is with the NXT champion, Tommaso Ciampa, in the back. She asks him about facing Braun Breaker with two Ks at Halloween Havoc. Champa goes on and says the match will be special. Joe Gacy interrupts and brings up how Champa asked who has the biggest balls to take his title. Gacy says that was some specific toxic energy coming from Champa. Gacy, Gacy goes on and says he realizes Champa must be feeling his strength from privilege as champion, but Gacy speaks from a voice struggling to be heard, and they speak through him. Gacy says, we would love to be included in a title shot. Champa sees what Gacy is trying to do and says if he wants a title shot, he can beat Champa next week to be added to the Halloween Havoc match. Champa promises that the ring will be will, won't be a safe space for Gacy next week. Yeah, so I uh, I like this. This was the most uh, of a twist they put on it. Uh, Gacy came out and said something objectively ridiculous to a baby face to their face. He said Champa had toxic energy because he mentioned balls on a wrestling show. So I kind of like this. We're kind of getting there with Joe Gacy. We're yep. More and more. Slowly getting there. I have all the time in the world for this character as long as it's progressing. As long as he's becoming the heel that he should be. Yeah. As long. That's exactly it, right? It's. It's kind of like the right to censor gimmick, or what it shouldn't be, right? The right to censor gimmick was just all out the PT, making fun of the PTC, the Parents Television Council from the late 90s, who basically tried to dethrone Raw from all of their sponsors, yada, yada, yada. Go on the internet, read it if you're young. If you're young. You know, I like this because there seems to be levels, and they seem to be going and building somewhere with this character. Yeah. Uh, exactly right. And if it was just as one note as the RTC was, it would be brutal. But you know what? He seems hopefully like he's growing and it seems like the NXT office is like strongly behind this character. So we'll see. Yep. All right. We see a furious NXT women's champion Raquel Gonzalez walking through the parking lot. Um, we come back and out comes Pete Dunne. With a with the newest SmackDown superstar, Ridge Holland, Cameron Grimes is out next to a huge pop. As you said, the commentators were bringing up Baron Corbin. So again, we're kind of seeing this this canon between main roster and developmental, and I'm all for yeah. it. Even the mention earlier in the night, and I forgot to bring this up, that Vic Joseph and Wade Barrett had when they asked. Beth Phoenix about how she's feeling after what happened with Seth Rollins on Friday entering their home and whatnot. That was a, that's a really good call. Yeah. We should have brought that up off the top. That was very good uh, for them to do that. And yeah, man, the fact that they like arbitrarily out of nowhere brought up happy Corbin and tied him to this Cameron Grimes character. I do feel like they're kind of planting a seed there. And hopefully that's because Cameron Grimes is moving up and he's going to feud with mad cat Moss and happy Corbin. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you think of this match? It was the best thing on the show by a country mile, by, mm-hmm. by a wide, wide chasm. It went six minutes. It felt like a third of that length. 
I could have had it for 15 easy. I think I, uh, we obviously know what NXT is now, but if they cut back on a little bit of the bullshit, just a, just a tad and gave us like a good 10, 15 minute match instead of like a fire hose of horse shit and one six minute match, that's worth my time. You know what I mean? If they just scaled back the uh, fire hydrant spraying duck shit all over the place, Boris, and they just gave us a long match. Anyway, um, I liked it. <laughs> I liked it, buddy. That's a thing. I think that they're doing too much in too little bit of time. It's got that uh, that Wednesday night feeling where they're just trying to throw too much at the wall. And if they were to, to cut back on the number of segments... A match like this could double in time, and in my opinion, would make for an overall much better show. Oh, million, trillion percent. And it's what wrestling fans want to see at the end of the day in 2021. They want to see wrestling. I think it's well established. Yep, exactly. Um, so, yeah, the fans were 100% into this. So Kyle O'Reilly appears out of nowhere, attacks Holland and Dunn at ringside. Dunn sends O'Reilly over the announce table. Grimes brings... Um, uh, brings him back into the ring. He misses the cave-in. Dunn blocks it. Dunn comes right back up with the bitter end in the middle of the ring for the pin for the win. So your winner was Pete Dunn at uh, 5 minutes, 45 seconds. Yeah, so this match was sandwiched in between the Cora Jade versus Frankie Monet match and Tony D'Angelo's debut. So yeah, this was an oasis in a sandstorm, Boris. This was... Uh, by Yes, yeah, a mirage, <laughs> indeed it was. Best thing on the show by a country mile. I still couldn't go any higher than three and a half gabagool, but it's still 70% a safe B in Canada. Boris, good for what it was. Yep, so after the match, Dunn is happy with Holland. O'Reilly rushes the ring yet again, attacks him, but they beat him down to booze. O'Reilly is destroyed with a quick double-team attack. Holland and Dunn are standing tall, as they say, um, as the music starts back up. Yeah, so I, I did like that Wade Barrett also mentioned, like, Pete Dunn must be angry because his muscle got drafted and he didn't. And we, we're going to have to see how it manifests for Pete Dunn, what he ends up doing here on NXT, and how, how his competition is going to respond to an angered Pete Dunn. And I thought that was brilliant. They actually addressed the elephant in the room. Uh, we get a D'Angelo promo to hype up his debut. Uh, when we get back from the break, the newest SmackDown superstars hit row are backstage. NXT North American champ Isaiah Swerve Scott, Top Dollar, AJ Francis, B-Fab, Brianna Brandy, and Ashanti, the Adonis are all there together. They issue a response to Legado del Fantasma and hype up their draft pick to SmackDown. Swerve says he will give Santos Escobar a title shot, and then the only way he's going to see the title is on Friday nights. That that was pretty cool. It'd be interesting if they just put they made the North American title a WWE title. They just they called up the title. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? <laughs> That'd be hilarious. That'd be I I actually have I actually have an idea, and I I I hope I don't hurt your feelings with this one, buddy. But I think here's what's going to happen. Swerve is going to beat Santos. It's going to end up with, like, Swerve laid out somehow, and Melo is going to cash in, quote-unquote, his free title shot, and Carmelo Hayes is going to leave next week as the NXT North American champion. You son of a bitch. <laughs> 
I'm calling it now. I'm calling my shot, Carmelo Hayes style. Yeah. What would be worse is if Santos does end up winning the belt, Hit Row and Legado are fighting, and the same outcome happens. That'd be interesting. And they kind of like use that it way to, you have the to, new feud set up, right? Yeah. And I think that NXT WWE management would, would assume that it would turn Carmelo Hayes heel and they could go legato babyface. But the exact opposite would happen. The crowd would go insane. The crowd loves Carmelo Hayes. He's a star in NXT already. Dude, and it, yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. All right, so um, after this, we see a video of your boy, Vaughn Wagner, helping out <laughs> Kyle O'Reilly during the break. Wagner helps him up. They stare at each other with gawking, lovable eyes with sexual tension at 100%. This is such a weird pairing that I don't understand or yet buy. This is why like, I call I don't, them I don't... the disputed era. The disputed era, indeed. Yeah, I don't see that these guys should be friends or would be. I don't I don't like this. Yeah, I don't know. All right, it's time for your boy, A.O. Gabagool Capacool, Tony D'Angelo versus Malik Blade. Malik Blade versus Tony D'Angelo, yeah. So I don't think D'Angelo's uh, ready for television yet, as they say. But hey, it's, it's time to develop. You are in developmental. The previous match was a six-minute match that felt like two or three, and that I wanted to go for 15. This was a four-minute match that felt like 12, and I wanted it to end at one. You know what I mean? God bless <laughs> God bless Tony D'Angelo. I really wanted to like him. And there's way more to wrestling than just moves and just doing moves. But this guy doesn't have any moves. He doesn't do anything. He's got a finisher, and that's it. He's like a creator wrestler from WWE 2K22. The guy spent three hours making his costume and forgot to do his moveset and then started his career mode. Yep. And we saw his first match. That's exactly what this was. Fun fact. Do you know what Tony D'Angelo's real name is? For once, the wrestling name is better than the real name. What's his real name? Joe Ariola. <laughs> Joe Ariola. Yeah, they probably should have changed that. They <laughs> probably should have changed that. You could have done better than Tony D'Angelo, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So uh, Tony's working that like 1980s superstar style, and uh, he wins with his only like move really of the match, which was a Northern Lights suplex, which he rolled in to the Fisherman's Neckbreaker, AKA the move that Perry Saturn used to call the moss handled three colored family gradunza for us. Yep. Now, one thing of note is the crowd was firmly behind Joe Ariola in this match. Hey, they really love them some Ariola in NXT. <laughs> but like legit. All jokes aside, like like the crowd was really into him. It was crazy. Um, it's no, crazy yeah. what effective promos does for a debuting wrestler, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. But this is this has happened in WWE before, even for like the cheesy like like characters that didn't last and had no chance of lasting. Just because he got a pop the first time is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't mean that he's here to stay. But I do think like. There's some potential in the character, and he's got he's got the fundamentals down to some degree, I suppose. But yeah, there's just not a lot to Tony D'Angelo yet. He is a guy who really needs to develop. But I agree with you. But at least they've solved step one. How many times yes. do people just show up with zero fanfare, zero reaction, zero anything? 
great point, man. Great point. Yeah, he is. He has something, and that's way better than having nothing. Yep, man. I love this show. You know why? Because this is another appearance of the hardest working reporter in all professional wrestling, Mackenzie Mitchell. This time, wait, wait, she, what? Sorry, I just yeah, yeah, I just I I yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. But uh, yeah, one gabagool oh. out of five for Tony D'Angelo on his on his inaugural appearance, a very bad wrestling match and an inauspicious debut. Yep. And by the way, I'm renaming his finisher to the Gaba Cruel. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. I love it. <laughs> All right. I'm happy because I get to say it again because it's time yet again for the hardest working reporter in all of professional wrestling, Mackenzie Mitchell. This time, she's backstage with Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. They're hyped up for tonight's main event. They're also about it, about it, and that's how it's going to be. They walk off and the announcers hype up the main event. Mello and Trick Williams are stars. Mello more than Will, or yeah, Mello more than Williams at this point. But Trick, uh, Trick can speak. But man, Carmelo Hayes, the crowd loves this guy. Yeah, he's, he's miscast he... as a heel, and I hope they see that. Yeah, exactly. Um, May Ying versus Indy Hartwell. Time. This match was short. This match's ending made no sense. Matt, what's gonna happen with Tian Sha? May Ying. Boa. I also didn't realize until she was in there with Indy Hartwell, who might legit be six feet. Like Indy Hartwell is super tall and very athletic. I didn't realize how short Mei Ying was. She is tiny. This was bad. Yet again, another bad match. They're just Indy Hartwell had to carry it, and she's not at that point yet. She does, she does have a lot of potential, and I do think Indy could be a star. She's got a great personality. She's she's super athletic, but this particular match was terrible. It was, it was a terrible two-minute match. Yep. Indy won with the springboard into a uh, the savage elbow. I'm surprised. I'm shocked. I don't know. I'm like, they spend a year hyping up how dangerous Mei Ying and Tian Sha is. And here we are, jobbing. Yeah, they don't care about anything that Triple H did or whatever, though. This is a brand new, it's a beautiful day. Ironically, remember when Triple H came back to that song? Anyway, man, yeah, another terrible match. I couldn't go any higher than a singular one. Gabagool, Boris, out of five, yet again. I wouldn't even call it a good effort. You know what I mean? It was just a bad wrestling match. Mei Ying did both a nerve pinch and a Tongan death grip in two minutes and 51 seconds. Get out of here. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's so true. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> All right. So after the match, Persia joins Indy. Indy puts back her wedding ring, kisses it. We go to break. Um, cool spot. After the match, she gets out of the ring and her her buddy puts her wedding ring back on her. I that's a cool spot. It'd be even cooler if Dexter put it back on, I guess. But I, I like. I know well, probably not. It'd be less cool. It'd make Dexter kind of look like a loser a little bit. I don't know. Not really. He's a loser. Right now. I don't know, man. Anyway, I like that little that little touch. That made me laugh. All right, Lash Legend, Lash Legend, Lash Legend. Who names these people? Uh, idiots, complete idiots. Did you hear and see the little shot at Jacksonville Jaguar coach Urban Meyer in this? That yep. was fun. You know who owns the Jaguars, buddy? Holy, it's a war. It's a wrestling war. All right, so uh, Lash Legend. I have to say it again because I can't believe I am saying this 
on a wrestling podcast, Lash Legend. Jason LaRue it was a better name than Lash Legend. <laughs> oh, man. It's absolutely ridiculous. I also think that's, a, that's Lash, our second Lash Legend. Siege, I also think that's our second Jason LaRue reference in as many weeks. Yeah, we're we're gonna work them in every time. Lash Legend, I'm pretty sure is a, is a, like a is like a salon in Mississauga. Yeah, pretty. I'm not. That's not even a joke. I'm dead serious. I think it's actually a salon in Mississauga. I'm gonna look this up. You can talk for a couple seconds. Lash. It's so dumb. They have someone who is in the WNBA for for the Seattle Storm. Her name was her name is I believe Anriel Howard. It's something something close to that anyway. But uh, I think it's Anriel Howard who played in the WNBA. Why? Why would you change her name? She's a legitimate athlete who's been in a professional sport at the highest level. Why would you change her name? You morons. You're not going to change Gable Stevenson's name. And if you do, you're morons. I don't get it at all, Boris. Lash legend is a eyelash place in Mississauga right around the (laughs) corner from my parents. That's hilarious, and I only know that because the first time I typed Lash Legend into Google, it came up. <laughs> That's how I know. So I was going to uh, ask you a lot of questions. <laughs> also, you got to keep these brows fucking and these eyelashes nice, nice, Boris. Oh, dang, I might have used my second F word there. All right, so Lash Legend, uh, she says Lashing Out will return next week. Uh, she'll spill some hot tea that will make the controversial Urban Meyer mystery woman story look like nothing. Tony D'Angelo walks up and says she should have him on her show next week if she wants to get some real eyeballs on it. Uh, Lash seems to consider it. He walks off. She says she loved Tony in the new Sopranos movie. Lash tells her friends that lashing out was so good last week that it shut down the internet yesterday. So, my biggest gripe beside the name Lash Legend is the fact that you have this new wrestler who literally just debuted, who got a half-decent reception, who clearly you're investing in, and you make fun of the fact that he's a Soprano ripoff. Like right away, yeah, that was pretty dumb. Like you know, it's it's like scripted. Like even if she came up with that line on the fly, cut it. You don't have to air it. You know what I mean? Like it was a good little joke. I don't think that she did like a terrible thing. But yeah, I agree. Don't hit us over the head with the fact that this guy is a goofball ripoff of the Sopranos movie that people don't even like as much as we all expected to. So no. yeah, the I don't other know. Thing. I, I I do I do like Lash Legend, but yeah, it, dumb for a number of reasons. Although I will say that the shot at Urban Meyer will turn this wrestling war around. E- AEW dead in three weeks. <laughs> Have you seen the pictures? No, I actually haven't. I've heard about the story, but I I truly, in my heart, don't give a tin shit about Urban Meyer. So oh, I don't either. I haven't looked them up yet. But <laughs> it's hilarious. Anyways, here's the thing about Lash Legend. Her script might be the worst script that anyone has ever written in WWE, and it's obvious that she is such a naturally good speaker. Like, what are they doing to her? What are they doing? <laughs> it's uh, it's bad WWE speak, but uh, yeah, like you said, she is very talented. She has a personality. She does a good job with the terrible material. I can't believe I've spent so much time talking about this. Anyways, 
uh, Raquel Gonzalez comes out to the ring. We go to commercial. Back from commercial, we get a vignette with Diamond Mine. Malcolm Biven hypes up each member and gives us some background information on them. You know, it's like if it's as if they should have done this when they debuted. Oh, it would have been so much better. But you know what? At least they did it now. This was really good. This was necessary. I'm glad it aired. At oh, least they did it. Exactly. That's the thing. I was going to say that. At the very least, better late than never. And yeah. if anything, this goes to prove that I actually really like Diamond Mine 2.0. Like, it's not. it's going well for them. You know what? There are very few successes in this NXT 2.0 so far, but Braun Breaker and Diamond Mine are like chief among the huge successes of 2.0 so far. They are the home runs. Not Lash Legend. Lash Legend is like a solid single because she's really good, but it is not a home run, Boris, by any stretch. Let me tell you this. My fever is getting super high right now. Oh no! Like I could just feel it skyrocketing. Not sure if it's the fever or my anger. Is that because Raquel? Because your girl Raquel's coming to the ring. Yep. We go back to the ring. Samantha Irvine is Irvin is interviewing Gonzalez. Irvin says the world has been buzzing about toxic attraction and asks about last week's beatdown on Gonzalez. Gonzalez says, message received. She asks Mandy Rose if they know who they attacked. Gonzalez says, toxic attraction has been in the headlines for a few weeks, but she's been dominating the division for a year. Gonzalez goes on about how she will take care of Rose, put her in a body cast if she touches her title again. Uh, Gonzalez goes to address Gigi Dolan and JC Jane, but toxic attraction comes out. Yes, sir. So, uh, yeah, a very, very cheesy scripted WWE promo here. JC Jane hits the line. We're not just toxic attraction. We are the attraction, which just made me think like that's such a dumb. It's such a mouthful of a catchphrase. They should just actually be the attraction and screw the catchphrase. Yep, exactly. Um, Mandy Rose actually did a very good job here for the her delivery sucks. She was able to work the crowd with the whole what chant. So she's she's spewing her lines. Fans are saying what. Then she basically turns around and says that Manny Rose is the best thing, hottest thing, but if you say what again or something like that. And the crowd had zero response. Yeah, she shut down the what chants. And she's very confident on the microphone. She is, I, I, you know, like you said, her delivery is hit and miss, but she has confidence for yeah. sure. And it, you, it does seem like JC and... Uh, way more Gigi are nervous on the microphone. Mandy Rose is certainly not nervous. I wouldn't say Gigi is Dolan. Or, Jesus Christ. I wouldn't say Gigi <laughs> is nervous. I think it's more her, the way she delivers her lines makes her seem more nervous than she really is. Yeah, you said that last week, and I'm perfectly okay if I'm wrong on this. I might be wrong, totally might be off base, but to me, she seems nervous, yes. Yeah. All right, so they each get a word. Um, then they basically say that they're not just toxic attraction. They're the attraction. They all surround the ring. Rose says it's time to have some fun. They go to attack Gonzalez, but the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, Io Shirai and Zoe Stark, storm the ring, stand tall with Gonzalez. The two sides yell at each other, but toxic attraction jumps down off the apron, backs away as the fans boo. Yeah, uh, I'm okay with it. Boris, you suggested this. I'm going to steal your thunder. At Halloween Havoc, we should get 
the six-woman tag for all the gold yep. tag team titles and women's title. And how I would book that, if it happens, is Io Shirai turns heel, walks out on her partners, costing Zoe the tag team titles and costing Raquel the world title. Yeah. Well, it would make sense. Why Why is Io going to help the person who beat her for the title? Yes, absolutely. And if you kind of look at Eo's character, she's never actually turned babyface exactly. for real. She's just, she's just, the crowd just likes her and she just kind of does mean things to the heels instead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, she could very easily go heel and I think it would be really great. And she could be the Tommaso Ciampa, the, the leader of the division, you know? She yeah. could easily have that, that veteran champion role for a long time. Yep. Here's the thing before we move on. You know, a lot of people have been like, for, for example, we were talking earlier about Frank and Manet not being called up. Here's my concern. As long as Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair are champions, we know what the division is going to be like. Um, you know, and, and it's not to say that I don't want to see them on the main roster. Like the Frankie Manets, the Io Shirai's, the Tony Storms, the, the, uh, the Tegan Knoxes, the Shotzi Blackhearts. It's a fact that we know how things are going to go. You're right. I have no I have no response to that. It's not a call up at the end of the day. It's at it's at best a move sideways. Yeah. It's usually a move down. It's a move but, uh, weirdly diagonally into the Ryback era of feed me more to Charlotte <laughs> and Becky Lynch. Yeah, exactly. But I you still you still want to see it. Of you course. still want to see the of people course. on the main stage. You know? Of course. I do. I 100% do. But I don't know, I just, it is what it is there. All right, Kyle O'Reilly is backstage, ice on his shoulder. Your boy, Mr. Von Wagner himself, walks in and says that next week they will team up to face Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland. Wagner says Kyle can like it or not, but he's the only person to have, to have Kyle's back in NXT. Von Fargo. Yeah, give me a week or two. I'm going to work on a nice Von Wagner impression for, for the good listeners out there. Just watch the TV show. You'll you'll get uh, some 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 good uh, some good yeah. material. I'm due to watch. Yeah, dude. I I didn't. Uh, I do like Fargo. I didn't watch the uh, Chris Rock season super closely. My roommates were watching it, and I was kind of in and out of it. Same but here. Uh, yeah, I'm a big big Fargo fan. That first season was fantastic. Yeah, guaranteed. Yeah, well, the movies. Oh, the of movies course. Great. Yeah, of course. It's time for the main event of the night, the Fatal 4-Way Elimination Match for the NXT Tag Team Titles. Brooks Jensen, Brooks Jensen, that is, versus Josh Briggs, and Josh Briggs versus the Grizzle Young Veterans versus Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. I'm going to call them Trick Hayes and MSK. I don't want to, like... Oh man, I'm sure wrestling is so hard. I've never done it, you know, other than like backyard like stuff, like with my friends and you know whatever. I've never been trained. I've never stepped in a ring. Maybe one day that'll change, Boris. Who knows? But anyway, uh, at this moment, I've never been trained. I couldn't tell you how hard wrestling is. From my from my sensibility as a as a fan watching this show, Brooks Jensen is the worst wrestler on the show and one of the worst wrestlers I've ever seen in my entire life. 
Boy, boy. Hey, just remember what we were saying about Raquel Gonzalez when she debuted. 100% right, buddy. 100% right. It's developmental. They're here to develop. Yep. And then Wesley pinned Jensen after a Hurricane run at 1238. So MSK retained the titles. I got to say, I'm shocked. I don't know why I'm so shocked. Like, you know, obviously the office has some faith in MSK and they want them to do something. So, yeah, MSK wins. Yeah, I'm telling you, like, I don't mean to hit this over the head, but go back and watch Brooks Jensen, like, specifically, like, focus on Brooks Jensen in this match. It was, anyway, uh, I could not go higher than two Gabagool out of five. It was a slight fail, strong effort from all eight people, but it was a, it was a, a bad wrestling match to close this week's NXT. A pretty bad show. One of the worst we've ever reviewed here on this podcast. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure if it's the fever I had last night or the fever I have now, um, but it wasn't the worst show. There was just a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, a lot of bad stuff. The ma- You know what? At the end of the day, it's wrestling. I'm yeah. going to remember I, a maybe- wrestling show by the wrestling, which is why I don't have the most fond memories of the Attitude Era. So having said that, yeah, it's been a rough go. But like I say, I'm just looking at this for what it is at this point. That's completely fair, man. It's completely fair. And yeah, we like, I'm having fun watching this. You know, I'm having a lot of fun and uh, I will continue till the bitter end until USA cancels this show in three months. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But until the bitter end, we're here on NXT to talk. We will be reviewing this show, but I can only tell you how I feel, buddy. And that's, that's the way she went down this week in my eyes. Oh no, a hundred percent, hundred percent agree with you there. It's just, it's uh. It's one of those things, man. I don't know. It just it scares me sometimes. But uh, so yeah, that was uh, that was NXT stateside. Is it time to move to NXT UK? Yes, we do have uh, briefly. We have next week NXT North American title: Swerve Scott versus Santos Escobar. And we both kind of think Carmelo Hayes might leave that with the title somehow. We have. Joe Gacy versus Tommaso Ciampa, and if Gacy wins, he is added to the NXT title match at Halloween Havoc. And we have Kyle O'Reilly and Von Fargo, Von Wagner, versus Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland. And also NXT Halloween Havoc in three weeks, October 26th, 2021. And we have one match, Braun Breaker versus Tommaso Ciampa, possibly versus Joe Gacy as well. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, question. Do you think it is too early to add two very new superstars in Joe Gacy and Breaker against Ciampa? Uh, Objectively, yes. But I think, yeah, two new superstars is kind of like it's just kind of becoming too wacky, too silly. If Ciampa can beat Gacy and then Breaker beats Ciampa, I think that's a very good way to establish that Breaker is a cut above all these guys. He is the big star. And if that's how you want to do it, that's a good way to do it. If it ends up that Joe Gacy's just in this match as well, and it's Tommaso Ciampa defends against kids du jour, I think that would lessen Braun Breaker's impact. It would lessen the specialness of the match. It would make the whole thing worse. So, of course, they're going to do it. No, you know what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen? Harlan is going to interfere, and Joe Gacy is going to end up with the title. Maybe. That'd be kind of interesting. Joe Gacy, NXT champion. They just really love that character that much. That'd be, uh, I, I do actually think that, well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see on the day. I, th- I still think it's too early to call. It wouldn't surprise me if they put the title on Braun Breaker. Like, yeah. it would not surprise me at all. Same here. All right, let's go. 
to the most exciting hour in WWE programming. It's time to talk about NXT UK here on NXT Talk on NXT UK Corner. But before we do that, Matt, October 14th, fans are coming back. How excited are you? Oh, my God. The European WWE, the European pro wrestling, Boris, fans are so great, so passionate, so vocal. How could you not be excited? This is already the best hour of WWE TV, and it's going to get immensely better. Oh, yeah. Hook it to my veins. Yeah. I'm super excited for this. Um, yeah, like we've said this just last week. We've rated some of these matches for crumpets, for supernovas and higher. But I pose the question, what if fans were there? Because, again, when we talk about our rating system, we always talk about the, the Lex Luger total package um, of, of, of the presentation, the TV, the commentators, the in-ring we talk about our pillars, our three pillars. So adding the fans is going to be immensely, immensely huge for 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 them. Especially that specific fan base that has always added so much to every show, you know. So yeah, I can't wait to see NXT UK back in front of the people. Yep. All right. So uh, this episode had a few interesting matches. Let's just jump right into the show. Uh, Mustache Mountain, Trent Seven, and Heritage Cup champion Tyler Bate went up against Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter. This match, for me, went a little different than I thought it would. I thought we were going to see more issues with Mustache Mountain, but things seemed pretty good overall. Um, I really like the offense of Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter. Yeah, definitely. There was a lot more Trent Seven in this match than I thought we were going to get. He did kind of wrestle the, the vast majority of it. But yeah, I agree. There wasn't really any trouble here between Mustache Mountain. And we did kind of think that they were going down that breakup road pretty soon. But yeah, this was a fine wrestling match. I agree. It did go kind of maybe a little, little long. Yep. Um, and then you had like the 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 parallel angle symbiosis come out. They're around the ring, uh, and then at the same time, Dave Mastiff and Jack Stars run out to save the day. Um, so yeah, it was kind of just like a lot was going on in this match. Um, and Seven finishes Smith off with a dragon suplex to capture the pinfall victory as Mustache Mountain win the match. Yeah, uh, very good wrestling match. I believe it went nine minutes and 57 seconds, almost 10 minutes, like a little too long. It wasn't the, you know, wasn't the best thing that you'll ever see, but you still couldn't go any lower than three supernovas, Boris, out of five, 60% crumpet percentage on this one. Yep. All right, Ginny is interviewed back in the back somewhere who knows where anyways uh they essentially ask about what is next for Ginny. she gives the obvious heel answer where she is going to run the division at some point uh as she walks away emilia mckenzie gets into a squabble with Ginny as she's training so this sets up a match for next week yep um i like Ginny's a pretty good promo i like amelia mckenzie too let's do it yep but the match that I'm interested in more is this, Nina Samuels versus Ginny. Because to me, they're basically the same character. That's interesting. Yeah, Nina Samuels is more 
She's more that goofy Billy Kay vibe, and Ginny tries to be like a serious version of it. Of but Ava? you're yeah, you're hundred percent right. I see that for sure. All right, so the reason why I brought up Nina Samuels is because right after this, we had a Nina Samuel interview segment. Uh, she interviews Dave Mastiff and Jack Stars, uh, but she essentially drives the entire segment to be all about her. Uh, Mastiff and Stars just say, F this, and they walk away. I like this a lot. It reminded me a lot of the Billy Kay character. That was one of the best things they were doing in WWE before they cluelessly released her. Before you got them released. <laughs> That is absurd. That is an absurd thing to say. But uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, my my poor Juju in the pink contest uh, rained down on the Iconics. Yes. Yep. All right. Danny Luna versus Zia, Brook- Zia Brookside. Dude, this match went really long, I think. Didn't it? That That's ironic. It went, well, I, I, ironic is probably the wrong word. But uh, yeah, no, it didn't. <laughs> well, it depends on your definition of long, but it went five minutes and 36 seconds, I believe. I thought it was it longer, to be long. honest. Yeah. It wasn't a bad match. Um, no, I this, liked it. Yeah, this was basically Danny Luna showing off her strength, Zaya Brookside kind of showing off her speed, and strength won. Danny Luna won this match. I, I might be the minority in this here, but I actually liked this match more than the first one. I thought I this was too. perfectly fine. I, I thought it went too. the right. Um, yeah, I, I'm glad that I, I was worried the way you said that. I kind of seemed like you thought it went too long or you thought it was bad. But no. yeah, no, I thought it went like the perfect amount of time. And I thought it was really good. Yeah, five minutes, 36 seconds. Uh, Danny Luna does a thing where she hits like a she hits like a body slam, like a world's strongest slam. But she stays on her feet and she like quickly snaps it back into a follow slam. I've never seen that move before. That's really cool. Yeah. That, that was really cool. I really like Danny Luna. Like, this was the first time that I really saw her wrestle outside of uh, uh, tag matches and and whatnot. But I really enjoyed this a lot. Uh, so after yeah. the match, she tries to handshake Brookside. And Brookside basically says, F you. Uh, we get a video package showing Blair Davenport's unruly reign. Um She's still looking to get reinstated, uh, and Stevie Turner would like her to return soon, too. Turner marches into Sid Scow's office, demanding payback from Davenport. Uh, yes, so previous match, I would go three uh, Supernovas out of five, 60% crumpage percentage, as good or better than the opener. Um, yeah, this uh, Sid Scala, uh, yeah, uh, all right. I, I like I like Blair Davenport a lot. I uh, I just realized that Sid Scala was kind of mentioned in the speaking out stuff, and he still kind of has a job anyway. That's neither here nor there. Let's not go down that road. But yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that Sid Scala was kind of a scumbag. Kind of changes my opinion on him a little bit. All right. Uh, Sam Gradwell and Mark Andrews, uh, they're still angry at each other. And then I'm gonna let you talk about this one. I this was probably my favorite match in WWE programming all of last week. That is Charlie Dempsey versus Josh Morrell. Oh boy. So this wasn't Charlie Dempsey's first appearance. Apparently he has appeared once before in a loss to Tyler. It might've been before we started doing NXT UK corner. Uh, It was earlier this year in 2021. Anyway, this was a brilliant debut a very good wrestling match. It only went six minutes and 14 seconds, but it was super unique. Charlie Dempsey, son of William Regal, IRL, Bailey Matthews is his real name. Son of Darren Matthews, William Regal. He is the WWE's Zach. 
Jr. Instantly, Dude. from day one, he is working that exact style. He is doing, he's like the new Timothy Thatcher. He is their Zack Sabre Jr. He is amazing in the ring already. He is really, really good. He His his offense, all, it's very unique. It looks like it hurts like hell. He, he can work strikes. He doesn't do too many, but when he does, they're great. He, his suplexes, his submissions, there's this, he's, this guy is awesome in the ring already. All right, question for you. Number one, it's hilarious that you say that he's WWE's version of Zack Sabre Jr. Because I have that's that's gonna go into my second question. But my first question is: describe, paint the picture for our listeners who haven't watched this match. Paint the picture of that finisher. Oh my god, I don't even know what to call it. So he he he's got like a like a bow and arrow on the ground on this guy where he's, he's, he's got like his head. He basically bends his opponent backwards so that the opponent's boot touches his head on in, in a grounded position. Like if you could picture, he's like bending them backwards, like a pretzel so that the boot of his opponent touches his head. We, I, I got to find a picture of this or put it, so put it up on the Facebook thread or something. I don't even think he can keep this move because it legitimately looks like the most painful submission in wrestling history. I'm not lying. Like, I don't think he can do this to everybody. Yeah. He can only do it to like the Jack Evans's of the world, you know? Yeah, dude, that was insane. Like this guy just knows how to get you in any corner, and he's he it, it's it literally is like watching a WWE version of Zack Saber Jr. So my next question is the fact that you even said it it kind of takes away from my second question, but that was how much would you pay for Charlie Dempsey versus Zack Saber Jr. I'm not lying. I would already pay. I would if it was on a pay per view that I had to pay fifty dollars for. I would fuck. I would sign my money away today, this instant. And it would. It will only get better. The better that Charlie Dempsey gets. Although I'm sure it might not ever happen. You know, because they work with different companies, of course. But man, yeah. what a dream match already. Yeah. Charlie Dempsey is the is the WWE Zack Saber Jr. I am all the way in on this guy. This, this this as disappointing as Tony D'Angelo's debut was. This was 10, 20 times the debut that Tony D'Angelo did. This was brilliant. So great. Yep. So how many supernovas crumpets would you give this? It's like uh, it's like by the Dave Meltzer scale. It's probably like a three and a half star match. But here at NXT TLK NXT Talk, where we look at the total package, Lex Luger, we look at the pillars. The commentary did a great job. This was his first showing. He made you like instantly want to see everything this guy does. I want to see him wrestle for the Heritage Cup. I want to see him against Tyler Bate. I want to see him against Trent Seven. This was easy. Four supernovas. Out of five, a great debut for Charlie Dempsey. Yep. Yeah, it was fantastic. Honestly, I loved every second of it. So Ilya Dragunov and A-Kid come face-to-face before their epic NXT UK Championship title match. Dragunov asks A-Kid not to be naive and believes he'll be one. He'll be the one on the end of the Mad Russian's reign. A-Kid's reply is simple. There are three ways he'll go about this bout. Tapping him, pitting him, or snapping him the way Walter did for months. Dragunov tells A-Kid he's just a kid. <laughs> and now is not his time. He'll, we'll just see about that when both of these men face off in two weeks on NXT UK. A serious 
promo between two athletes who want to fight each other and win a title. Could you imagine that happening on 2.0 right now? Could you yeah. imagine something like this on 2.0? Uh, no, not at all. Yeah. And uh, this was uh, an amazing promo, far and away the best promo that we cover on this show today. Oh, yeah, by far. All right, main event time. Joe Coffey with Gallus versus Jordan Devlin. This was a very fun main event. And if you, honestly, Matt, don't like Jordan Devlin, I'm just going to I'm gonna cancel the show and just call it a, <laughs> call it a podcasting career. I'm not sure if it's official, but if it hasn't been made official, I could say I was wrong about Jordan Devlin. I was wrong about him. I like him now. I can't I can't hate on him. I do I still deal there. I do still think that he is a Finn Balor ripoff. I think that's never going to change. But as Finn Balor ripoffs go, he's pretty great. Yeah. Exactly. What do you think of the match? It was a good match, man. A, a, a small guy versus big guy match, but the big guy was the baby face. It's a tough formula to work, but you don't see it so often. So when they pull it off, it's actually pretty fun. And this was actually pretty fun. I really like this. Exactly. How many? How So how would you rate this match? We're going to go three and a half supernovas out of five. Perfectly good main event for what it was. But honestly, the best thing on the show and the, the only great thing, the thing I'm going to take away was Charlie Dempsey. I wouldn't say it was that good, but it was still a very, very good wrestling match. We're going to go three and a half. It's a solid B in Canada. Yeah. All right. Next week on the show, we have Emilia McKenzie versus Ginny. We have Mark Andrews versus Sam Gradwell. And we have the finals of the nxt uk heritage cup number one contenders tournament as wolfgang meets noam dar yes and that is the final show in the empty warehouse boris because in two weeks october 14th we have Ilya dragunov versus a kid in front of a paying audience yeah i am so so excited for this before we go there was a question thrown up to us by joe aguinaldo we might as well talk about this real quick. Um, so he says, assuming that Ridge Holland is moving up on the 22nd, when all the draft stuff takes into effect, uh, where does how does he leave NXT? Does he lose on his way out? And to whom? Um, just I, I think it's ridiculous that WWE does this. I would never do it in a million years. But since this is the way they book... I can easily see him losing uh, to Von Wagner. Clean yep. in the middle of the ring, lost to Von Wagner, and then he moves up. Yeah, uh, I can see that, or I can see this. Hear me out. Hear me out on this one. Next Hit week, he costs the match against Pete Dunne. Him and Pete Dunne go at it. They set up a match oh. for the following week. week. Pete Dunne takes him out of NXT. Interesting. I like where your head's at, but if they do that, I bet they would actually put Ridge Holland over Pete Dunne. For some <laughs> reason, I think I, I just don't think Pete Dunne would win that match. Oh, I don't so know. Funny. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm just I'm just counter uh, countering my own previous point there. But yeah, no, I think I actually think no matter who he wrestles, in my heart, he'll probably lose on his way out because they're so dumb that that's what they do in NXT. Yep. Uh, do you think MSK will ever get called up to the main roster? That's a tough one. Yes, I do. I actually do think, but it's tough because they're Triple H guys and they aren't 
uh, uh, Pritchard McMahon guys, but they still seem to be like over the crowds turning on them, but they still, they, they don't turn their backs on them. They don't fall asleep when they're out in the ring. They're booing them loudly. So that's good. That's a very good thing. They're still getting a strong reaction. Uh, I think they will move up and be tag team jobbers forever. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. And last but not least, will they put the belt on Braun Breaker at Halloween Havoc? It's still too early to say, but boy, it wouldn't shock me. I'm going to say yes right now. Yes, they put the belt on Braun Breaker at Halloween Havoc. Now, if Joe Gacy gets in that match and muddles things up greatly, we'll see We'll see what happens in a couple of weeks. I reserve the right to change this opinion. All right? Of course. At this moment, I agree. I you do think they will do it. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I, I'm still under the impression that Joe Gacy is going to end up with the belt. Oh man, that would be interesting. He's getting he's getting some buzz, and they like that. Yep. If anything, right? That that's what they like. That's what we're gonna be seeing of more here in NXT 2.0. All right, dude. I am dying right now. You have no idea how stuffed up I am. The fevers go in. The headache oh, is starting. We're in. Ab- of course, this has to be our longest show in a long time. Um, so just remember, as a patron, you get everything. You know the list. Uh, ballergear.ca for all the merch he's Matt I'm Boris good night I'll get some rest feel better brother yeah yeah yeah